Well, good morning. We want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. If you are brand new with us this morning, I thank you for taking the time to, to be together with the body of Christ. My name is Charles Gwynn, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here this morning. We are going through the gospel according to Mark and uh, the idea of following the servant, following where Jesus is leading us. And it took us about 17 weeks to get to chapter 5. And it's going to only take us two weeks to get out of chapter 5. So we're really moving along now. So uh, I'm excited about that. So we're in uh, Mark chapter 5 this morning. And the title of today's message from Mark 5, 21 through 43 is Jesus has perfect timing. Jesus has perfect timing. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning we are trusting in you to guide and direct our thoughts, to lead us to where you want us to go this morning. Father, may we follow in your footsteps, and may we be open to your Holy Spirit's leading. And I thank you for each one here this morning and the lives that they represent and who they are as your created beings. And God, I'm grateful for the time we can spend together as family. May you, uh, again, direct our, our path this morning that we'd hear from you. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. As some of you know, back in uh, 2019, my family and I decided to take uh, a sabbatical from full-time ministry. It was before we even moved here in 2019. I was doing ministry in Nebraska, and uh, just felt like our kids were growing up too fast. And, and in about 2012, God just put it on our hearts that we needed to take a step back from ministry and uh, just travel the lower 48 states. Just go and enjoy some time spent with our family. At the time, we only had five kids. We have eight now. And so uh, five just seemed like no-brainer. That's, that's an easy thing to go on the road with, right? But uh, as we, as we kind of began to pray about and, and started to think through kind of plans of what, what would take place and how it all work, and we had plans to, we had an excursion, a V10 excursion at the time. We thought, well, we'll just pull a bumper pull trailer, and they're like, oh, man, seven people in a bumper pull trailer for a year? I don't know. That's, that's not a very good idea. And, and so we kind of started praying what, what other things might take place, and we had this plan where... My hope was, my plan, and, and Autumn, as we prayed and talked about it, was this idea of, you know, trying to, to go out on the road in 2015, uh, so that at that point, my, do- my oldest daughter, she would have only been 12, so we wouldn't have hit, you know, the terrible teenage years, right? And, and the rest of them, they'd be young enough, and it'd just be a lot easier, because they'd be a lot smaller, and everything would just go a lot smoother, and my plan was we'd sell our house and use the proceeds from the house sale to then go and travel and do those things. And we just kept praying about it, thinking through it. Those were our plans. Our plans were to do all those things. And guess what? God's plan and God's timing, it's way better. It's way better. In fact, it's, it's perfect. It, it was a perfect plan. While we prayed and planned, we began to, to continue to do life. So we started fostering, uh, doing foster care, and we had little short weekend placements. And eventually we got a long-term pl- placement, uh, which was Bria, uh, our daughter, that we later adopted. And so it was kind of a struggle at the time because in my mind, 2012, we started praying, and we had this plan. We're going to 2015, but then we start adopting fostering in like 2014 and we began to uh, foster Bria uh, on a full-time basis and it kind of felt like hey there's a wrench being thrown into my plan 
right? I have this idea of what's supposed to take place. And, and so as it continued on, God's plan again, his timing is perfect. And so it was interesting to see as we kind of lived in limbo a little bit, like my wife would say, can we buy new furniture or are we going to go on the road? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm leaving this up to God and I'm trusting in God. And so we never got to buy new furniture. We still have the same furniture we bought when we were newlyweds, which was 20 years ago. And it's still holding up pretty good. And so, you know, that we, we have all, we're living in limbo and we're trying to figure things out. And again, God's plan and God's timing is perfect. And we adopted Bria into our home in September of 2016. And then June 2017, we went on the road. And God, it was amazing to see how that, or my plan, or our plan in 2015, included selling our house by, because God had us wait and his timing was perfect. We didn't leave two, until two years later that we didn't have to sell our house. We were able to rent it out. And, and my kids, they did a great job. In fact, they were probably the perfect age to take because some were just the right size and others were older so they could help out. And in today's passage out of Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43, we see that when Jesus is faced with the imperative and the inconvenient, he remained persistent and his timing was perfect. Have you ever been to a Bible study or a prayer meeting where they're taking prayer requests and, and in your mind you have this prayer request, yeah, I need to share this because, you know, there's a lot, of, I'm really stressed out, there's some things going on in my life this week that I really need to ask prayer for, and someone right before you shares a, a prayer request that, you know, their, their mom or their dad has been in the hospital all week, they just recently lost their job, and so they don't even know if they can make ends meet at the end of the month to pay their bills, and then it's your turn, right? And you're kind of like, Nope, I'm good. You know, uh, I'm all right. Uh, I what I yeah, what I had it, it probably is not really all that important. You know, and, and we kind of start to categorize things, right? When it comes to our prayer requests, we we at times think that you know one request is is more important than another, and and cer certain things are less uh, important, and we we have these we we have this in our mind w what we see as prayer worthy requests, right? Something that we think God would in, be interested in, that he would care about, and then everything else are things that, you know, are no big deal, they, they don't really matter. And as we look at today's passage, I hope that you realize that God finds everything that is going on in your life as something that he cares about. He, he wants to know about it, whether it's something that seems imperative or something that seems inconvenient, God cares about what you're going through. So again, in today's verses, we have these examples of a life and death imperative situation that is brought before Jesus, which gets interrupted by pretty much a, a real inconvenient scenario in the moment, it seems like that. And Jesus handles both with his perfect timing. And we're going to see that as we read here in just a moment. So if you're willing and able this morning, if you'd stand again with me this morning, reading from Mark chapter 5, and we're going to read, we're going to do a little exercise, you know, sit and fit kind of workout this morning. We're only going to read a few verses. I'm going to have you sit down later on. I'm going to have you stand up again. But as we read God's word, may we, may we honor God through his, his word, knowing that this, these are words coming directly from God. 
verse 21 of chapter 5 of Mark. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My daughter, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. You may be seated. So if you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write down the imperative. And the definition of imperative that I, I came that I found online and is in a an essential or urgent thing. Something that's really pressing, right? And Jesus comes back across the lake from last week where he's there in the, in the area of the Gerasenes. And he comes back and, of course, who's waiting for him? The crowd. Everybody's right there in the middle of everything. And a, a synagogue ruler shows up, a ruler named Jairus. And he's coming to Jesus with an imperative, urgent, essential situation. Now let me ask you, have the religious leaders been uh, pretty excited? You know, the synagogue rulers, those leaders, have they been in a lot of support of what Jesus has been doing in his teachings? No, they, they haven't, okay? And, and so you're like, well, what's going on here? But even though leaders of the synagogue were not supposed to believe in charismatic prophets, and, and if Jairus came to Jesus and people saw that, it would probably kind of throw up some red flags for different people, and, and they would really, I mean, he would be, when it comes to his social resume, he'd be in some trouble. But it was an imperative situation for Jairus. It was imperative for Jairus to get to Jesus because his daughter was sick. His little daughter was sick, and anyone who has ever had a sick child, no matter how old or how young the child may have been, man, we know how a parent's heart just aches and breaks for a child that's sick. And Jairus' daughter was sick, even to the point of dying. And so this synagogue ruler, who's very important, who, who seems to have everything kind of put together, he's full of influence and prestige, and he comes before Jesus, and what does he do? He drops to his knees and asks for help. He drops to his knees and asks for help. And he says, Jesus, can you please help me? And I wonder how many of us this morning are, are willing to humble ourselves and drop to our knees before our Father in heaven and say, Jesus, I need help. I need you. And Jairus pleads earnestly with Jesus to come and put his hands on his daughter so that she will be healed and live. And what does Jesus do? Verse 24, the first part of it again, it says, so Jesus went with him. Jesus goes with him. Jesus shows this man compassion. Jesus doesn't say, well, yeah, I'll go with you, Jairus, but I got a few questions for you, right? I mean, where have you been, Jairus, for the last six months while I've been teaching and preaching? How, how come you're just now showing up? Or, Jairus, what sort of things have you been talking about at the synagogue about me? You know, hey, you know, we need to get some things straight. No, it just says that Jesus is willing to help, that he is willing to go. And I want us to notice that Jesus is more than willing to help out in situations where people 
are willing to humble themselves before him. When we're willing to humble ourselves, Jesus is more than willing to help out. Jesus wasn't annoyed. He didn't get frustrated. He wasn't impatient. In the midst of all the busyness of life, everything that Jesus was going through, the crowds and all these things taking place, he's still willing to help out in an imperative situation when the one seeking the help is willing to kneel in humility. And so again, verse 24 simply says, so Jesus went with him. And I want to remind us of, of how urgent of a situation this is. Later we read on that this daughter, in verse 42, that this daughter, she's 12 years old. And according to Luke's account in chapter 8 of Luke, this is Jairus' only daughter. And now this really resonates with me this morning because I have a daughter that's 12 years old. Her name's Briley Jean Gwen. And I, I love Briley dearly as I love all my children dearly. And, and now, Briley's not my only daughter. In fact, I have four other daughters. So it almost seemed like, you know, if one was really sick, oh, no big deal, right? I, I have four more. Well, no, that's not, that's a joke, okay? All right, that's, that's, I'm just kidding. But I, man, I can't even begin to imagine how helpless I would feel to have Briley so sick that she's about to die. Now, I, I've done everything I possibly can think of as a father. And in fact, I, I'm willing even to swallow my pride and, and go out and talk to this fanatic teacher named Jesus and see if he's even willing to come and, and help me out in any small way. And when Jesus is willing, when he says he's willing to come and I could just imagine how overjoyed I would be like, all right, let's go. This, I mean, let's, we got to get hustling because this is not just like a, a small situation. Briley is sick, Jesus, and I need you to come. It's imperative that we get to my daughter as soon as possible. But along the way, there's this inconvenient interruption. And so if you're willing and able, again, will you stand with me as we read verses 25 through 34? If you want to follow along in your own Bibles on the screen, the rest of verse 24 says, A large crowd followed and pressed around. Verse 25, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if i just touch his clothes i will be healed and immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering at once jesus realized that power had gone out from him he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my clothes you see the people crowding against you his disciples answered and yet you can ask who touched me but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You may be seated. 
There's this imperative situation. And then there's this inconvenient situation. Have you ever heard the saying, life is what happens when you're making other plans? You know, often we, we kind of have these things all planned out, don't we? We have this we, things mapped out on what's going to take place. And, and then life happens and our course is changed. Or sometimes if we're so bent on what we've mapped out we, that we're never looking up and, and kind of life just passes us by. And maybe it at times can overwhelm us. And if we're, true, if we're truly honest with ourselves, the experience of this life, we notice that there's very few times where we can really plan things. We discover that we don't really have control. And it never goes quite as planned. And there are a lot of surprises along the way. And, well, that's kind of what happens with Jesus in this story, right? Jesus has this plan that, yeah, I'm willing to go with you, Jairus. So let's get going. And, and then life happens, right? This woman with the hemorrhage comes and his plans are changed a bit. He has to pause on his way to the healing to take care of this woman who suffered from hemorrhages for 12 years. She'd been to doctor after doctor, and instead of things getting better, Things had gotten progressively worse, and she had spent everything that she had. And one commentator said, Now you and I would automatically think of the physical consequences of such an ailment. The chronic fatigue from loss of blood and low iron. The constant threat of infections due to diminished circulation. But there were spiritual and social consequences of her particular ailment. As a Jew... She was considered unclean because of her bleeding. She was segregated from all that was holy in order to keep her from defiling it with her uncleanness. No man would have her for a wife because she was unclean. So as long as the bleeding continued, she was socially isolated. As long as she was unclean, she was told by the religious authorities that she was unfit to worship God. So So she was suffering, immensely suffering, not just physically, but socially and spiritually as well. And I think we would all agree that this woman's situation was a terrible one and and definitely inconvenient, but not necessarily life-threatening, right? I mean, I I think for most of us, if we're thinking about Jairus' situation and my poor daughter, Briley, 12 years old, on her deathbed, and then you think about this woman who for 12 years, you've you've dealt with this for 12 years, ma'am. Can't can't you just wait, ma'am, for 12 minutes while Jesus goes and and heals my daughter first? Why, Why do you have to pick right now to interrupt what I want us to see here is that Jesus, Jesus didn't disregard the needs of this needy, unclean woman because this wealthy, high-ranking religious leader needed him. Do you see that? In the midst of the rush to help Jairus' daughter, Jesus was willing to make time for this woman. And if you notice in verse 26 and 28, this woman, man, she, she didn't really want to bother Jesus. In fact, she just thought that if I can just touch his cloak, 
I will be healed. She was kind of hoping for a drive-by healing, right? You know, just drive-by healing, just, whoo, you know, and, and everything would be all right. And see, Jesus, in her mind, was way too important for him to care about her struggles. In her mind, she just thought, man, if I could just go, touch his clothes, then I'd be healed. And, and no one would even really know, right? I mean, it's no big deal. I'd be healed. The crowd keeps moving. And yet, for a lot of us, I think we kind of have that mentality, don't we? There are times in our life that we feel like the things that we're concerned about are maybe an inconvenience to God, or that our concerns aren't that important, or that God doesn't want to listen to what is going on in your life. And I think we almost likely have all felt that at one time or another in our lives. But the truth The truth is that God deeply cares for you. That Jesus wants to hear about everything going on in your life. And the the Holy Spirit wants you to to depend on Him. That His strength would, would, no matter what in your life, whether it be big or medium, small, whatever you look at in your life as a concern, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you and strengthen you in those difficult times and And so Jesus stops in the middle of this urgent situation to invest in this woman's life. He could have taken, I mean, he could have easily just kept on going, right? I mean, he he could have just kept moving. The healing could, could have taken place, and he could have just kept walking. But he cared not only for her physical well-being, but he cared for her spiritual well-being as well. And so he stops and acknowledges her as a person who needs him. He he takes the time to look her in the eyes, to, to say, I see you. I know you need me. He listens to her story and acknowledges her faith and how she's to go in peace because of that faith. And I wonder if Jesus had not stop to talk to this woman i wonder would it be a possibility that this woman later on in life could have just been like oh man that was probably just a coincidence that in the moment that i kind of brushed up against his cloak that i was healed it was probably just finally eventually you know it's just coincidence that this took place and and i wonder if jesus had just kept moving on if that woman would have acknowledged Acknowledge how great Jesus is. Would have acknowledged to who Jesus really is. Because the reality is, because he stopped, there's, there's no getting around it. Jesus, by stopping, acknowledges the faith of this woman. And she's changed forever. If you look at verse 34, how does Jesus address this woman? You can answer, daughter, daughter. And I can't help but think that this is probably an important thing in this passage of Scripture because I, as I look through Scripture, as I try to search online and commentaries, the only place that I see where Jesus addresses an, a woman as daughter is in the Matthew account of this verse, of this story, of the Mark account of this story, and the Luke account of this story is the only time when Jesus 
says to a woman, addresses her as daughter. That's it. This is the only time. Could it be that Jesus wants us to know how dearly loved each and every one of us are? Could it be that Jesus is saying to you ladies this morning, daughters, have faith in me because I desperately care for you. Could it possibly be that Jesus is saying to you guys this morning, sons, have faith in me because I desperately care for you. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all deeply care for each and every one of you. And as Jairus, as her, his 12-year-old daughter was fighting for, his life, for her life, Jesus stopped to care for another daughter that has been suffering for 12 years. And it shows us that Jesus cares about the imperative situations and the, and the inconvenient situations because he cares about all of his children. And no man, no woman, no one who comes to Jesus in faith will go unnoticed. Jesus reached out to people in love and left changed lives in his wake. Can't we do the same? Can't we be the hands of Jesus reaching out to the desperate, the diseased, and the depressed with the love of Jesus? I think that's a possibility this morning, isn't it? That that's part of who we are to be here on this earth he cares so deeply that even when all hope seems lost, he doesn't give up. And we see that as we read the last section of scripture this morning. And so one more time, will you stand if you're willing and able? Chapter 5, verses 35 through 43. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, it's interesting, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You may be seated. Imperative, inconvenient, and in the midst of it, Jesus in his perfect timing is persistent. Jesus was persistent moving forward, and persistent means continuing firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite 
of difficulty or opposition. Would you say this morning that they were kind of facing a difficult situation, right? And they were supposed to be there quickly, getting there in a hurry before Jairus' daughter dies. But then, when Jairus looked back, Jesus was standing there with the crowd. He can almost, you can almost hear Jairus thinking, what is this Jesus doing? You know, he says something, someone touched him? Well, of course someone touched him. There's hundreds of people around you. I don't care who touched you. My daughter is dying. Let's go. Let's get moving. And as Jesus invested in this woman, I, I can imagine the desperation Jairus may have may have even taken the time to maybe grab one of the disciples by the collar and said, hey, man, light, light a fire on your teacher. We got to get going. My, my daughter, she's going to die. But before they can get Jesus moving again, Jairus' friends arrive on the scene. And, and they have this news. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother with this rabbi anymore. It's too late. Don't we have those kind of emotions at time where, ah, it's too late for that one that, you know, I'd love to see them come to Jesus, or it's too late for me to do this for God, or it's too, and we have this evidence that shows up that the daughter is gone, and one can only imagine the rage that welled up in Jairus. I'm sure he's thinking, I'm a leader of this in this synagogue, and this would-be rabbi wastes his time on some unclean woman? If he had just come when I told him, my daughter would still be alive. But before Jairus could put his rage into words, Jesus reached out to him and said, Don't be afraid, just believe. Just believe. Now, some of you ladies are thinking, yeah, typical man, right? You know, this terrible situation, things are going wrong, and uh, us guys, we always think, it's going to be all right, it's, it'll be okay, you know, calm down, we guys, in, in, in those kind of situations, whether it be like vehicle situation breakdowns, or tense situations, or sicknesses, it almost feels like Jesus is doing the typical man thing, ah, it'll be fine, and the evidence in the situation Man, it leads to fear. But when faith is involved, nothing is impossible. Jesus ignores what they said. You see that? He ignored what they said. And he says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And some of you are going th through some pretty tough stuff this morning. And Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus remains persistent and, and grabs just Peter, James, and John, and they head to Jairus' house anyways. And when they arrive at the house, there's a lot of commotion. And as I did my research this past week, I didn't quite realize this, but at this time in history, they would pay, they would hire professional mourners. They would pay people to come and play music, to weep and to wail when someone in their family died because, you know, they didn't have obituaries in the paper, Right? And so they had these individuals come, and they would wail and weep, and there would this, be this big commotion over this death to communicate that someone had passed away. And so we read in verse 39 a very powerful, and maybe for some of us this morning, a confusing statement. 
says he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Two separate words. It's somewhat confusing because all the evidence points to the fact that she is dead. And Jesus knows that she is dead, but for him, it's just temporary. Do you see that? See, he has a completely different perspective than we do as humans. As fully God and fully man, this is just a temporary situation. Yes, she is dead, literally dead. And for him, though, it's just like she's sleeping. He is the Son of God, and yes, the death is real, but compared to the power of God, it's just like she's asleep because Jesus is going to wake her up from being dead. And when you have faith beyond the evidence, there are going to be people that are going to laugh at your faith. And we see that in verse 14. He says, ah, I'm going to wake her up. Yeah, she's dead. But it's almost like she's just asleep because I have power to raise people from the dead. And then they laugh at him. Ah, and Jesus says, okay, go on out. Get, get out of here. You know, in, in verse 40 through 43 again, says, but they laughed at him after he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to tell anyone, not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. And it's amazing that our Jesus, the God that we serve, not only can bring someone back from the dead, but that he also cares that about the little things of our lives, right? The, the little things like making sure this little girl has some food to eat. Yeah, sure, I just raised her from the dead, but make sure she's taken care of physically. Get her something to eat. And all the evidence pointed to the fact that Jesus was late and that there was no hope for this girl. She was gone. She was dead. And yet Jesus was persistent and called for Jairus to be persistent in his faith as well. Don't be afraid. Just believe. You see, the good news of the gospel this morning is that no matter how bad the timing may seem in our eyes, Jesus is never late. He's never been late. He's never going to be late. Jesus is never late. And he has perfect timing, which is God's timing. And whatever is happening in your life, Jesus is right there in the midst of it all. And once again, Jesus tells them to not tell anyone about this, what has happened, because more than the physical health, Jesus is concerned about spiritual health. He doesn't want people just to come to get their physical needs met. He wants to meet their spiritual needs. And for some of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, you might be coming to Jesus today with a physical sickness or the stresses of this life, and you're begging Jesus to, to fix things, to heal you, because you're about to die. And Jesus says, you aren't about to die. You're dead. You're spiritually dead without Jesus. And more than physical healing in your life, Jesus wants you to know that he can bring you back to life spiritually. Amen? So in just a moment, we're going to sing a, 
a song of invitation. I read an article from an author named Tony Reinke. Tony was on vacation in northern Minnesota with his family, and they rented a cabin along the shoreline of Lake Superior. And one day they went for a hike and found this beautiful waterfall flowing over a 25-foot cliff into a deep pool of water. Their 15-year-old son immediately asked, Can I jump off the cliff into the pool? Both parents said, no, you don't know if there are boulders in the pool, and you could break your neck. So they just sat enjoying the view. Then three guys appeared at the top of the cliff in their shorts. One by one, they jumped off the cliff into the pool, and they climbed back up and did it again. And the 15-year-old looked at his parents. Now that we know that there aren't any boulders and it's safe, can I jump? And the dad, seeing this as a parenting opportunity, said, Tell you what, you can jump off the 25-foot cliff under one condition. We are not going to video it. Not on my phone, not on your mom's phone, not on your phone, not on anyone's phone. You won't be able to share it on social media. I want you to experience the thrill of jumping when it's just you and the cliff and nothing else. On this condition, the boy threw up his arms and said, well, then what's the point? And the author's point is that so much of what we do and don't do in today's culture is done with an audience in mind. What will people think of me? In today's passage, we have two people, a synagogue ruler and a suffering woman, who both are brought to a moment when nothing else matters. It's just them and Jesus. And what I want to invite you to do today is experience the thrill of putting your faith in Jesus when it's just him and you and nothing else. Jesus wants to raise you back to life spiritually. Will today be the day when it's just you and Jesus and you say, I'm not afraid, I believe. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life because you believe that Jesus is God's one and only son, that he died on the cross to take your punishment for sin, and you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the free gift of his grace and and the forgiveness of your sins, then the Bible says that you receive that gift by being baptized into Christ, being immersed into Christ, being clothed in Christ, as it speaks about in Galatians, to die to your old self and to be raised a new creation. If that's what you know you need to do today, will you please come as we sing? We're going to sing a song of invitation. Will you stand with us this morning as we sing? If you have a decision to make, will you please come? Of sin. Oh, those are two different songs. Jesus is calling.
Jesus is tenderly calling you home, calling today, calling today. Why from thy sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, he's tenderly calling today. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we do know you are calling each and every one of us. Uh, that word predestined that we find in Scripture is a tough one for us to understand at times because in your foreknowledge of all time, you want everyone. You, you want everyone. You're calling everyone to a relationship with you, and yet you give us choice. So, Father, I pray this morning that we choose you. Today we choose you. Tomorrow we choose you. The next day we choose you. And every day of our lives we choose you, God, in the midst of this world that we have struggles in, the imperative struggles, the inconvenient struggles. God, you desire for us to be persistent in our faith. May we do that each and every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Make sure to read through this bulletin on the back page. There's lots of things. It's the full back page, things that are coming up. Uh, there's going to be a revival. So I just want to highlight a couple of things because these require you to sign up. So one of them is the revival will be taking place October 10th through the 13th, 7 p.m., Sunday through Wednesday night. There'll be a pie social, so if you can help out with those pies, uh, there's a sign-up sheet out at the Hub. And uh, if you have a favorite pie and, and one that you love to eat and bring, please sign up to do that. Uh, we still need help with substitute teachers over at the, our Christian school. And there'll be a ladies' luncheon in October, and that's also a need for a sign-up. So any lady is willing to that's willing to is welcome to come and that's on October 16th the church uh, through the, the women's team will be providing the meal uh, at that time so it'll be at noon but we just need numbers so the last time you can sign up for that is October 10th so you have a couple weeks to kind of get your calendar in order but uh, October 16th for you ladies there'll be a luncheon on uh, that Saturday and again, there's several other things that have been in here for a while, so please read through those. Uh, again, Harvest of Talents is coming up, so if you need to, if you're planning to make something, I encourage you to get on that. And again, Harvest of Talents is a, a event that we use to give an extra gift to our missions at this time of the year. And so the things that you make will come, and we'll we'll sell those and auction them off in order that uh, that money, all those proceeds, would go towards our mission. At our missions as a, an extra love offering to them. I do want to mention again, as far as prayer requests go, keep uh, Ruth Ann Bowers as well as Hank Bowers in your prayers. Uh, Ruth Ann was in the hospital and is now back home just last night. And so we're praising God that they are slowly getting better. But there's lots of others that are dealing with sickness. Um, people, I do have a, an update on Craig Hedquist. Uh, he is doing better. Uh, I was let know that. So Please be in prayer for them continually. And then if I said the name wrong previously, I had it online wrong. It's Kevin Barrett uh, is the name of another gentleman that we're praying for uh, that's been in the hospital. So uh, if there's any updates that I need to make mention of concerning prayer requests before we close out our time together. Go ahead, Mon. Oh, yes.
Yes, thank you for your prayers for Ira, cousin of Monica. I did update that online, so it is a praise that he did end up having a surgery. It went well, and he is recovering, so be in prayer, continual prayer there. Any other updates or praises that need to be made mention of this morning? Will you stand with me as we close in prayer and then in song? God, oh man, we are so humbled to come into your presence, and I thank you for this time where we can come together to encourage one another, to build one another up, to spur each other on to love and good deeds, that we would be the church that is the church outside of these walls. Sometimes we get caught up in, well, what am I supposed to be doing for the kingdom of God? Well, it's living out my faith each and every day, and so help us to live so boldly for you that we are light into the darkness, that the world would see you living through us, and they would want that in their lives. So God, may you go with us from this place. May you be glorified in everything we say and do. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.